What's up, everybody? Welcome to Witty Banter. This is episode either 164 or 165. It's been a little while since uh, we've put one of these out, so we're, we've kind of lost track. Sorry I'm one of your that, hosts, everyone. Chase Williams, and I'm joined by the headstrong Max Scott. Howdy. How are we all today? You'll take and me on. <laughs> you'll take on anyone, except for Hunter Dorsett in DBFC, because he's actually got some skills to pay the bills at this point. Thanks, man. I mean, I think, I think Max ended up in the uh, out of 10, or first to 10, I think, where we went. In the personal matches, 10 to yeah, six? it was 10 to 6, which I'll, is I, I will bolster that very good. Strongly. Very cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. But throughout all the weekend, man, Tokido you were shining. Did, yeah, he, I mean, dude, Hunter was bringing people together, but we're going to get into all of that <laughs> yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah, everybody calm down. Uh, first, I want to issue like a quick apology to the Witty Banter audience, uh, because the last time we recorded an episode, which was like a f- you know four or five years ago, we said that we were going to do a bunch of special recordings at Evo Weekend in Austin, which has already come and gone. We didn't end up actually doing any of those because I think we were too just preoccupied with relaxing and having a good time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of us kind of follow different games at Evo. And so those games were on at different times. And it just kind of was hard for everyone to come together and, and to actually record an episode. So apologies to the Woody Rancher audience because we did kind of promise something that we didn't deliver on. And I want to send a special uh, kind of sorry to our good friend Israel because we had kind of planned on doing a deep video game centric special episode at the um, at the apartment, which didn't end up happening. Which kind of which really sucks. Is Israel one is not only like a really awesome friend who you know even at the uh, at the event gave some pretty thoughtful gifts, and Hunter, as you mentioned, was helping you out with your your car towing. Yeah. Uh, but but he's also a super intelligent dude. So I, I honestly feel like we kind of deprived the witty banter. Uh, nation of a really good thought-provoking episode that I want to have as soon as I can. So hopefully we can end up doing that in the near future. Oh but God. yeah, sorry to everybody. Sorry to Israel. But you know we're here now. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Nowhere to go before. You know <laughs> exactly. Stop dwelling on the past, everybody. <laughs> um. Anyway, so yeah, Evo Weekend has come and gone. I honestly, it's going to be a pretty Evo heavy episode both talking about our weekend that we had because it was an awesome time but also just you know recapping the tournament and talking about all the news that came out of there uh that being said before we get there witty banter is known for their beer and spirits reviews and uh we're we're hitting right back on that with this episode so i want to hear from you guys what are you drinking today so uh we're venturing back to 11 below brewing company Oh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, a, man. A classic. Yeah, and so... Uh, Alumni, if you will. I saw the name of this and the picture of it, and I was like, yep, we're doing that one. Uh, it is the Hipster Sauce IPA. Okay. And uh, on the front of it, it has like a fish riding like one of those really old school bikes with the big bicycle wheel mm. in the front. You've probably never heard of him before, but... And <laughs> instead of like... You know how like when uh, you'll get a horse to go by putting a dangling a carrot in front of it instead of that you have a fat nug <laughs> dangling in front of this fish naturally in order so for him to go forward uh so yeah it's a it's a ipa 6.5 percent alcohol by volume 55 ibus and 
on the back it says, all the cool kids are drinking those IPAs these days, and we call ours hipster sauce. Excessive amounts of mosaic, citra, and amarillo hops provide juicy yumminess for hopheads and hipsters alike. Twist up that sweet stash, put on your <laughs> retro hat, and enjoy the sauce. It's very cool. <laughs> it reminds awesome. me when we had that conversation with them about like having to name beers. Yeah. You guys remember that? And they were talking about how many names they go through, and then they have to like Google, and they're like, fuck, somebody else already has yeah. to name. They can't do it. It'd so. be hard to really... I, I, dude, It's it's got to be hard to name anything in a truly original fashion for nowadays. sure especially when there's rules like that like i noticed that with movies like a movie will come out and then i'll like google the name of the movie and then it's like oh there's four movies called this by yeah. now right but <laughs> then when it's strict yeah <laughs> when it's strict and like you're not allowed to take other people's names i mean at some point it's going to become like aol style na- naming conventions you know like mm-hmm. the hipster X, sauce X, 26 hipster sauce, or, yeah xx hipster sauce xx 420 <laughs> Nineteen seventy-two. That's actually a pretty good name. It's not bad. It's funny though, because like Houston doesn't really have like a that doesn't strike me as being a very hipster city. Like I know there's a few Uh, kind of younger neighborhoods that maybe lean that way. I don't think it's as hipster as Austin is. Yeah, there's definitely like a like a little bit of an underculture of it for sure. And it's just because Austin's so close that they're like the top dogs. You know what I mean? (laughs) So our our hipsters outshone. Yeah, our hipsters look like fucking. Posers by their right. like the suits. Yeah, for real. <laughs> what are you? Uh, what are you fucking with, Chase? Man, what you All right, so check this out, man. This is the uh, the climax of the tequila tasting. Nice. Uh, I am drinking a Casa Dragones tequila, and this bad boy I was saving because we don't have we only have so much House of it, of and I had to drink it with Darian here. So sh- so we made sure that there was an even amount, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dispersed amongst the two of us. But Smart. this thing comes in at just under like three hundred dollars a bottle. And oh, good dog. This yeah, this is one of the tequilas that we got from Darian's last job that we just kind of save for special occasions. You know, like recording an episode of pod, of a podcast that we do every week. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna read a short description of it that came in this. So it it comes in this big, beautiful like teal box, um, and it says. We are an independent small batch distiller focused on making one style of tequila and doing it perfectly. Each limited edition bottle of Casa Dragones is hand-labeled and numbered, hallmarking the characteristics of a particular batch. Our bottle is crafted from pure, lead-free crystal engraved by local artists using the traditional Mexican technique of papita. Our entire (laughs) approach takes time and expertise, making it possible to produce only a small amount of Casa Dragones every year. For us, it's one bottle at a time, ensuring attention to every detail and the highest quality. So this book has a bunch of more information about the tequila, and I'll probably read some a little bit more around halftime, but this one is like the purest uh, liquid I've ever seen. It describes itself later in the book as being a platinum color, and it just quite literally looks like water. Like, it's so pure, mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's extremely aromatic, like I had poured it up and it was just sitting on my desk. And while I was setting up for the podcast, you would just get wafts of it. I was getting um, drunk. Yeah, you were just the vapors <laughs> went right to your eyebrows, man. And it's got like a very kind of vanilla and almost like a nutty smell to it. And I haven't really even yet taken a sip yet, but I have a feeling that this is going to be uh, really good because it's basically in this booklet. It just describes itself as being like very smooth, and they they just focus on being sippable. Uh, hmm. Without the need of like water or any mixer, so 
I'm really excited to try it. As you guys know, I have been stoked. To, uh, I've been I've been really liking the tequila that we that I've had on. So yeah, hopefully this one's the crown jewel. You know, I love the yeah. idea of like um, like local people like crafting the glass that it goes in. Like every one that they they make is like. They send it off on its way. It's like <laughs> give it a little super special, a little, a little smooch on its way out. Yeah, it's like a collector's item almost. It, I mean, the the bottle is super beautiful. Um, yeah, you should keep it nice. But yeah, man, I'm stoked to try it. But I want to catch up with you guys. Uh, Evo weekend has come and gone, and right. I had a fantastic time. And we're going to kind of talk about some of the news items that came out of Evo. Before we get there, I just want to reminisce with you dudes about the weekend itself and kind of talk about our experience there. Um, Hunter, this was kind of your, your, it was your second Evo, but it was the first one where I feel like you were a little more ingrained in the culture of it all. And you actually had a game that you had some, you know, some gusto. I had some in. skin in the game, yeah. Yeah. And dude, I got to be completely honest. I felt like you were one of the prime drivers of competition of the weekend because you set up shop on like Saturday with a DBFZ station, and we were basically just rotating and playing you for like six hours, man. And it was <laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah, no, I was really excited about that. Um, it was interesting because I knew that everyone was coming to the table with kind of like, I think, anchoring on a different game. You know, like, I guess Max. You wanted to play with Tekken, but probably more so Street Fighter V. I know Israel wanted to play with Tekken. I wasn't really sure what Cole was really going to be leaning towards. I heard maybe DF, DBFZ, but I know he's really plays a lot of Street Fighter. But yeah, it was it was awesome, and I'm glad that uh, my noobness didn't sort of discount me. In fact, it seemed like my noobness kind of brought people in wanting to to indulge in the, yeah. in the fighting game spirit with me. Want to test the noob? Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> Everybody was lining up. You know, everybody, I think everybody kind of thought that they had, you know, an easy shot or at least like a comfortable time to play with you, right? Like mm-hmm. they'd be like, "All right, let me try some new stuff with this guy. <laughs> Keep it easy." But I think one by one, and I don't really know who you played first, but I remember Andrew was pretty. Yeah, pretty by the early. time like cause I got played, and I was like, "Why did I lose? Like, why am I actually losing at these points?" You know what I mean? I'm like, "I'm actually losing at certain points." And I finally, and then Andrew was like all excited about that, and he was like, "Oh, this, you know, fucking make in front of me." And then he traded places with me, and he got like legitimately salty, oh, which is oh, the yeah. best part of the weekend. True blue Andrew salt came out for real. When it gets to that point, and we talk about it all the time between me and Andrew, it's like that time when you're not joking and laughing, and it's silence. Uh-huh. And there's just a point where like he knew he was being too silent, and he had to just be like, "This game, man, it's just like sometimes, like God, you know." <laughs> And yeah, I got really exasperated at least it. once as well, man, because mm. you, you definitely feel that. But there was something about DBFZ where I think almost the promise of that game came to fruition right in front of our eyes where it is so easy to pick up and play that everybody was hopping on and having a good time. Everybody and, played that yeah. game. Yeah. 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 And I think like, yeah, I, I guess I'll just say it was just funny, like, because I never really went in expecting to beat anybody. So like. I was, like, I get pretty pissed off at games, too, a lot. But, like, for some reason, during that whole weekend, I was just expecting to lose most times. But I ended up pe- keeping a cool head, and most people got pissed off at me. And I was yeah. loving it. I was just like, mm. mm. You were <laughs> relishing in the salt, which yeah. is an important part about playing fighting games. I didn't really play any other games, though. I don't think I really ever uh, got to, like, dig into, like, tech. I, I played Israel um, really late one night um, playing some Yoshimitsu. But oh, yeah. I didn't really do any Street Fighter or 
we I mean it was really only those three games that we fucked with, right? I mean Yeah, for the most part. I got a quick set in with Chase, some guilty gear guilty either gear. the first yeah, or the second day. Which was fun. It was awesome to rehash and play some of those matches. And for you, I know like the bicycle aspect of jumping back onto a game that you're very well versed in and like seeing you get better in the games again and like start really tightening up what you were doing was cool to watch as well. Guilty Gear was fun to watch. Guilty I enjoyed Gear? watching Guilty Gear. I mean, Gear. this is an awesome year for Guilty Gear, for sure. I got to learn about Mike Ross. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, that, is, that was crazy. I it, might be jumping the gun here. Sorry. No, no I mean, fine. You know, Mike Ross made a surprise appearance very late into the t- deep into the tournament at Guilty Gear and pretty much surprised the world. And, like, watching the reaction on Andrew's face of, like, watching this person that we all that most people kind of know and certainly respect especially youtube because you guys came up on watching excellent adventures and having that sort of like that comeback right in front of his eyes and almost seeing mike ross ascend to an even more legendary status (laughs) like watching that happen to andrew's face was one of the highlights of the weekend for me i'm trying to think of like an actor or some like celebrity or something who has made some sort of similar like digression after being <laughs> on top of the world mm-hmm. and like maybe making movies or songs that like he then felt like were too you know immersed into pop culture and not representing himself. Yeah, dipping away for a long time and then coming back and making some like sick indie rock album or fucking <laughs> awesome fucking indie movie with some local yeah. director or something, and you being like, what the fuck. <laughs> That's Joe Movie Star or something, and like, and he's doing this now, and it, it was just super crazy. He got thirteenth place. It'd be one thing if he came back and was like playing Street Fighter Five or something, right. but he shows up in Guilty Gear, mm-hmm. which, in my opinion, is one of the hardest games out there. Sure. Deep into the tournament, playing a character that is fucking low tier, and he just slammed it. And it's like, dude, this is <laughs> how you make a comeback. He was thirteenth place. If he had won two more games, he would have gotten into top eight. That's fucking God. insane. It is wild. I would have Especially loved to watch y'all watch him like in top eight. That would have been fucking incredible. <laughs> I'm so bummed that we only got to see him once, and he was only on stream once. He like yeah. he like wrecked it too when he was on. Dude, there. his axle like I never I was really. Like, Dude, how is anybody gonna touch this guy? Yeah, that, yeah. How do you get in on that? <laughs> that character's broken. Yeah. Oh man, it was great though, man. On the way home, uh, back to Houston, uh, Max and I were talking in the car, and like. My my kind of passion for fighting games was really reignited this weekend. Like, for sure, especially through playing you, Hunter, and like, kind of just seeing the promise of Dragon Ball Fighters again, and watching Guilty Gear and playing Guilty Gear again. You know, before the tournament came up, I hadn't practiced fighting games since like March, and I even very specifically was telling you, Max, that like I'm not going to practice before the weekend because I'm not really interested in playing that much. Yeah, and now that Evo weekend has come and gone and, and sort of that whole experience has has reinvigorated me like it it honestly feels really good to care again you know what I mean for sure no absolutely I think that you know we can kind of get into it a little bit later as we talk specifically about the games but everything seems to really coincide with all of us getting together and like us personally just amongst ourselves getting reinvigorated with like the fighting game spirit you know yeah. just from each other mm-hmm. you know but also like after that, looking and seeing on the horizon, now you have all of these different things. Like with DBFZ, the patch dropped like three days later, which essentially gave 
you know, this whole like flip in the tiers and like all these cool new tool sets for a bunch of different characters that then allow you to take that newfound passion, go into the lab and like discover new things and like feel that freshness from the weekend carry over into like objectively fresh material yeah. in your video games. Yeah. And of course we have a plethora of character reveals and stuff to also, if it's other games that you want to look into. So right. yeah, I think that's and really I, important. And, you know, let's, we can go ahead and get into the news pretty much, you know, right now, but I do also want to say like, I am certain now that I do have sort of the reinvigorated passion for it, I am honestly conflicted on what game to focus on. Um, yeah. Because Street Fighter is kind of what the majority of the group plays. And I do have fun playing it. And I think Sagat is really cool and I'm enjoying learning him. But Dragon Ball Fighters, of course, just has the, you know, you've got the IP of Dragon Ball. I love playing the characters that I play in that game. But yep. then Guilty Gear, in my, in, for me, is my biggest passion, but also the one that, like, really nobody in my group kind of plays. So it would be like a labor of love. And so now mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know how to, how to dedicate my time and attention right now, you know? That is, yeah. yeah that's, I'd like, that's awesome that you're having that problem. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Some people don't. You know, I feel like Cole is somebody who only plays Street Fighter and he loves that game and he loves that character and that's super great. And I don't even want to like mess with that at this point. Yeah. Just like <laughs> keep playing it, keep getting better at that and seeing the fruits of your labor. Same with Hunter, you know, like he'll play games with us, he'll play Tekken with us, but at the end of the day he's interested in Dragon Ball Fighters, which is super cool. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, like Andrew plays every game one time and then complains right, exactly. about them. So <laughs> uh, that's kind of his story. And then, you know, I've, I'm super into Street Fighter 2, but then I'm also at the same time, like, I'm so, every time I, like, touch Tekken, I just can feel how deep the game is and how much I want to play and, like, how much is on the horizon. And then I'll play against Hunter and Dragon Ball Fighters, and I'll be like, maybe I do actually really enjoy this game and I want to keep actually <laughs> yeah. playing it and stuff. And playing with Guilty Gear with you, I remember playing it and being like, this game is fucking tight. Just <laughs> Dude, from, like, playing it's Venom. so much fun, man. And just being like, there's a million different things I can learn and try to figure out and do and, like, Again, that's you know that's not even one of the the top three, right? To where I'm not even <laughs> going to have that much like passion. Maybe passion amongst the community isn't the right word, but like strength from the community, you know, as these other games. So nice. it's cool, man. It's trying to figure it out, man. What are you going to do yeah. going forward? <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's get into some news and statistics. Uh, this <clears throat> is Witty Banter. All right. So first thing I want to do is go over the number of participants for each tournament at EVO 2018. Kind of get okay. a snapshot of what 2018 was this year. Gotcha. Right. Uh, coming in at the top number of participants was Dragon Ball Fighters at 2,579 players. And then just under that was Street Fighter V Arcade Edition with 2,499. Right. Um, <laughs> anything to say there, really, before I move on, Max, about kind of that overtaking? No, I mean, we've definitely talked about it before on the podcast. Um, Dragon Ball Fighters is his first year at Evo. I mean, yeah. and it was supposed to be and is like one of the like most groundbreaking games to come out and start. One of the most groundbreaking franchises to happen within the last like 10 years. You yeah. know, so you expect it to be a huge burst. I would, I'm very, very curious to see how these numbers transfer over into next year. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. about speculation for yeah, next year. If they're going to go down or if they're going to go up even like i don't even know because mm-hmm. it was a killer top eight for them to or a killer whole evo experience for that entire game so yeah interesting to find out yeah so tekken 7 uh came in at third and that had 1547 players uh then we can get into the two smash brothers games wii u had 1358 and melee had 1353 so basically the same yeah. players playing that they're just entering both probably just playing like. both yeah <laughs> 
Um, I'm curious to see what happens when Smash Ultimate comes out, if that changes what's played at, at Evo or not. Oh, Wii U, the Smash 4 is going to get taken out, and it's going to be Melee and Ultimate. Yeah. There's no That's way they the don't case. do that. If you look at the uh, numbers. Blaze yeah. Blue Cross Tag, uh, 1,181 players. And then Guilty Gear Exard Rev 2 at 623, which is uh, on closer, you know, almost at the very bottom of the list. But just for context... Um, at Combo Breaker this year, which is a premiere, I think that's like a Capcom it's Pro a Capcom Tour premiere. like ranking event, right? It's a premiere event, so it's premiere like event even better. They had uh, about 650 participants for Street Fighter V there. Mm-hmm. So hmm. you're looking at, though it may seem small compared to how many people are in the other games, I still actually think that that's a pretty healthy pool of people, for sure. Uh, yeah. All things considered, yeah. And that's then Injustice Two came down at the at the bottom at 361. And when it comes, and I want to talk about prize money and payouts to kind of put some context into what it means to be a professional fighting game player and yeah. kind of who walked home with what. Hmm. Um, this is a list, and this comes from esportsearnings.com. And this is a list of just awarded, like, or just earnings, not based on game, but just based on players. So there's multiple games kind of mixed in here. Problem okay. X. The winner of Evo, Street Fighter V, took home the most amount of money because that one comes with a huge pot bonus from Capcom. Hmm. Uh, and he took home $40,000, which right. is pretty <laughs> staggering, right? That is awesome. That's an awesome amount of money. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then Tokido, <laughs> who got second place in Street Fighter V, took home 17000 right. which is a pretty nice consolation prize. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I'll go through just a couple more here. Sonic Fox, the winner of the Dragon Ball Fighters. Uh, Evo tournament took home a seventeen thousand dollars as well, which okay. is just awesome. awesome. Yeah, and uh, lastly, Fudo, who I think got like what third place uh, in Street Fighter Five, third or fourth, third or fourth. Yeah, yeah. he took home ten thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. Nice. So, awesome. pretty like when you see these numbers, it's it's kind of hard to even like square those things for me personally, where like I, we were watching top eight and all that. And you're kind of seeing like for us, it's, it's just for fun. And for them, it almost seems like it's just for fun, but they're also being like heavily rewarded, you know? And then it's definitely, you know, this is the reason why they put so much time and and blood, sweat and tears into these games, you know? For sure. Well, I mean, you got to think like, I mean, they're all very passionate and they want to win for the prestige of Evo, but like when you lose, a match because you got opened up or you made a mistake and it's literally that's money match. taken and out of your pocket. Like, well, $30,000 mistake, $30,000 mistake, yeah. right? Or $23,000 $10,000 mix up, $10,000 mix up into another $10,000 mix up. <laughs> and you're flat broke. Boom. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's um, uh, so, Oh, go ahead. Well, it's just like on that, on that note, and I don't know if you were going that way with it recently. Uh, it's been coming out like, how the the payout system works for each game is being kind of scrutinized a little bit because there's like, okay, so top eight, you win money in top eight. Okay. Right. So the payout from my understanding off the top of my head, I believe is like percentage wise. Yes. I've got it right here. If you need any, if you want to yeah hit it, cause it's like the first place gets 60%, but then the bottom two places get 1%, right? Is that correct? (laughs) What's that? It goes 60% and then second place gets 20. Right. Third place gets 10. 10. Fourth place get fourth place gets four. Right. Fifth and and sixth, two, two, seventh and eighth, one. Hmm. Yeah. Right. So then by the bottom of it, when you have something like the Capcom Pro Tour, which is not just Evo's money, they were banking on the fact of Capcom saying, here's however much extra pot bonus. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the biggest one. 
Um, if you think about that statistically, that would be one sixtieth of forty thousand dollars is like what, a few hundred yeah. dollars. Well, I don't know about that for Capcom, but by the time you got down to Melee, which doesn't have very much, um, like Nintendo doesn't really give a shit about the competitive scene, so mm-hmm. they're not really right. putting the, the pool just comes from the entry fees, right? Yeah, them. exactly. The people who got like seventh and eighth got about one hundred and thirty bucks hmm. each for, and that's the fourth yeah. biggest game. On Sunday, it's like here's a nice meal. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's <laughs> yeah. like a you evening out with your friends. tickets and hotels. Yeah, for people who buy all this stuff. And sure, there wasn't like a whole lot of money in melee, but I just think the idea that somebody getting one percent in the first place getting sixty percent, like by a matter of a couple games, feels a little off to me. I would like to maybe see a. I don't really have like right now anything that I've prepared, but I would maybe like to see a little bit of a more even split, just because I really don't feel that much. Like, like people are definitely invested and want to play to make money and the better, more money than the more you can be a professional player and the more professional players there can be. And that's important. But it's definitely at the end of the day for all these people, they want to win for the fucking prestige. Tokido is not that Especially for Evo. Yeah. Tokido's not that fucking bummed about losing that money. He's way more bummed about not taking home Evo first place. Yeah. You know, and I think it would be beneficial to just be like, maybe even if you go to a tournament and you don't win and you make eighth, like. You can still like leave in a profit or something like from the money that you spent about trying to go there. I mean, I think that's right. not too much to it ask. Sounds for. like that should definitely be a goal, right? And, and I'm I'm surprised with you know you would think that there maybe be like sponsorships or ad revenue or something that would I, I, honestly like forty thousand dollars being the most that was made and like that was far and away the most. Right, second place was yeah. seventeen. I was kind of expecting more. I mean, we were talking about how there was almost a quarter million people watching at some of the yeah. points on some mm, of these games. True. I mean, it wouldn't have surprised me if, if people were making even in the six figures. But because I, I mean, does, doesn't some of the Blizzard prize pools like millions of dollars and shit? Well, and I think it just shows the huge difference between the games, right? Yeah. This is a Fortnite. There's not nearly right. as much money in Fortnite or as much money in fighting games as there is in Blizzard games or MMOs or fucking... Uh, that's kind of surprising, though, that it's that big of a discrepancy, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it is pretty low, comparatively, <laughs> but... But still cool that, you know, so the, the people that I win I would be get, fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. I would be just fine. Yeah, not to shit on that, it entirely. You know, for sure. But, you know, you got to think about, you know, Johnny, who made 50th place at that Fortnite tournament, might have made just as much money as you did. Yeah. Thinking first place at Evo, you know? But yeah. Who knows? So it's, yeah, it's interesting. Interesting to think about. Um, I want to go through some of the announcements now that came out of uh, Evo because mm-hmm. there were quite a few, and one I think that was particularly shocking. First, you know, uh, Street Fighter Five Capcom uh, announced and released G and Sagat, two awesome. new characters, cool. which I wasn't expecting them both to come out at the same time. And Max, I guess you know, you being kind of the Street Fighter Five expert on this on this podcast. Uh, how was the announcement reveal for you, and, and how are you liking these two new characters as additions to the roster? Right. Uh, as far as announcements go, I think like G was a given. You know, everybody knew we were at least going to get G. But then you got to think about last year when like the huge reveal for Tekken came out, and it was Geese, and everybody flipped their fucking minds. And that's still going to yeah. be like the craziest reveal ever, right? And then when Capcom came up last year, they revealed Abigail, and his like shit was already like. You know, even the trailer that they released was like broken, like he was stuck in V-Trigger mode. So he looked like extra, extra goofy. And everybody was like, what the fuck is this? Right. <laughs> yeah. So Street Fighter Five definitely, I think, going into this had like something more to prove. Like they had a lower um, 
like low, like they had lower expectations. You know what I mean? I think that they had to come in and really blow people away. And I was wondering if they were going to maybe take advantage of that and then be like, because no matter how good G was, he was so like expected that the most we could have all done is be like, wow, that was actually really cool. That's, that's going to be a cool player. But when mm-hmm. they also released Sagat, I think that that was just one of the best moves they could have done. I mean, he's like such a fan favorite. Like everybody loves that character. Like even if you don't play him, you still know him and he still looks tight. You know, he so looks when he released, great. Yeah, when he released both of these characters. Yeah, and they both look amazing, by the way. Even if they, like, just watching G, I remember us all talking and being like, oh, what yeah. game is this? This guy looks actually <laughs> really cool. This? <laughs> this is surprisingly awesome. You did a pretty good job, Capcom. And then they hit you with the Sagat trailer, and that was incredible. And then the boom, the fucking out tomorrow. And it's so out funny the way out. that they did that, because at the very end, they just show the date. And it's like, release date, August 6, 2018, at the very bottom corner. And I was like, to register. looking at it, and I was like... <laughs> Oh, like, you know oh. what I mean? Like, is that wrong? Or like, what am I? And this is, poof, hits you with the out tomorrow shit. And we were all just flipping out and freaking out. And I think that was, to me, I think they took the reveals. I think they won the reveals, in my opinion. I think that was the best thing that they could have done. And um, I've been playing around with both of the characters. G is awesome. I think they, uh, Sagat is awesome. I think both play or both characters are like right where they need to be. I don't think either of them feel... Uh, like broken or abusable or like stupid feeling, but they both look cool and look great and have really excellent tool sets. And I, and I think releasing them now competitively is one of the most important decisions they could have done because by the time Capcom Cup rolls around, it's very possible that somebody's going to be playing G or Sagat in a major tournament setting like that. Hmm. So. Yeah, and there's something about the Street Fighter V art direction that actually really clicked with me when they showed G and Sagat, because I think visually they look just really good, and yeah. Sagat's stage is fantastic. Phenomenal. Um, and you'll have to bear with me. This will probably be a little bit longer of an episode because I'm just excited to be talking with you guys again. Yeah. But Max, <laughs> I want to ask you, at this point in Street Fighter V's lifespan, when you compare it to where Street Fighter Four was in the same amount of time, how, do you, how are you kind of comparing these games? Like, do you think Street Fighter V is... Maybe is it stronger or weaker competitively? Is it stronger or weaker in the mind space of the FGC? How like how is Street Fighter V doing in comparison to its last iteration? Uh, I mean, it's a tough question because it's two different eras. It's like like saying who was better, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, or LeBron yeah. James, because none of them are ever touching each other at, in their prime, mm-hmm. right? And if you look at numbers, numbers naturally grow over time yeah, and things right. naturally the industry, grow. The gaming industry, industry as a whole is always growing. Right, so you know they may have sold however many this time, but that might be something close to what they sold with Street Fighter Four. and one can be considered a success and one can be considered a failure. Um, it seems to be like progressing way faster. I wasn't even that involved in Street Fighter when Street Fighter Four dropped. I got into it almost three years after it had come out. So I was actually getting into that game like right around this time now hmm, with right. Street Fighter V, which is kind of something to consider too as well. Um, but I think that, like, I think it's obvious how much Capcom wants this franchise to be a vessel for them to like make money and make a stand in the community. I think that they know that they have the most iconic title in fighting games, no matter what name wise, at least, right, yeah, you know, and that's like super important, and that they could definitely do something huge. And I think that Street Fighter Five is in a place in general now 
like that is very good. I think it's in a very good spot. I think it's in a spot to where there's a bunch of different characters with a bunch of different like unique versatile options that can get somebody involved who wasn't involved before and be very interested in it. And I think that like comparing it to Street Fighter 4 is a little bit tough because it's got such a stronger scene, you know, as far as like the Capcom Pro Tour, like that was announced for the last year of Street Fighter 4. There was no pro tour before that. There was no like communal amount of points. We just followed players and like how well they were doing and just kind of like talked subjectively about who was better. And now we have this like point ranking system and it all leads up to this one point. And it's like a season now and it's like a sport. So I think it's definitely better. I mean, in general, like I think that they recovered a lot from a very poor start. And yeah, I remember I was thinking of that to myself. Like I remember when it first came out, like y'all were pretty disenchanted, I feel like about it right for sure i mean street fighter 5 was a terrible launch <laughs> it was an awful launch and even somebody like me who like it has everything that i want and it's like competitive play and like a good cast of characters that i can like get behind and learn about you know and but as far as like a game you know it just wasn't really that fun and engaging for people outside of somebody as if you could if you could take the two, uh if you could take street fighter 4 and street fighter 5 from a systemic uh, standpoint and just mm -hmm. the the systems of the game and how they feel when you when you play them competitively and and switch them where Street Fighter Four, where that system came out after Street Fighter Fives and had the support of the Pro Tour and the size of the scene, would you make that switch or do you think Street Fighter Five is actually like a more solid competitive game and you're happy that it's this game that is out? at the time when it's at, at its most popular. Right. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not sure like how much of the like leniency aspects of Street Fighter Five versus Street Fighter Four have like attributed to its now player base. Cause I don't really know the numbers too strongly on Street Fighter Four. Um, and like how many people were like collectively playing it compared to how many people are collectively playing five and how much of a discrepancy there might be in like the times. But I do think that a like I do think that I would not change I would not switch them like you said I would not make this game like super link and tight heavy like super link heavy and like tighter controls and like trickier to play as a new player I do think that going forward some of the best steps that Street Fighter Five can now make because they have so many of these iconic characters back and so many of these more like bright and awesome to look at stages and combos that they should start implementing systems like smash ultimate is kind of doing in the way to where they're like taking, Oh, they're taking all these things that people love. And now you have all these people that are playing it and it's like easy, but then building on adding maybe systems that a casual player wouldn't notice, but a competitive player would start taking advantage of, if that makes sense. The layers of depth. Yeah. yeah. Like things like just defending or, sure like getting maybe extra damage off of frame perfect links as opposed to non frame perfect links. Um, hmm. Little things like that, yeah. that I think could make for adding an extra competitive element to the game. I think that's a strong choice to make. Well, some other announcements that came out, Tekken seven announced a few new characters two being um, former Tekken alumni characters, Lei Wulong and Anna Williams. But their kind of big reveal was that Negan from The Walking Dead is going to be in the game. And, you know, I think it, that 
came out of left field as much as Geese did, but since it wasn't like a fighting game character, it didn't maybe have as much of the impact, but it's still in my eyes like pretty incredible that that crossover is happening, that Tekken is in a place where they can pursue those kind of deals and actually close them, and that you have a character that is as prolific in pop culture as Negan is making its way into Tekken. Um, Hunter, what did did you kind of think about that announcement? Well, it's... You know, I'm honestly, I'm a little intrigued because, yeah, I mean, I was one of the last bastions of watching The Walking Dead, right? Like, after, mo- like, 95% of people had stopped watching, I watched for another two seasons, you know? <laughs> and yeah. I was surprised that any of y'all knew who Negan was. <laughs> and two, um, yeah, it was definitely just surprising, but um, I guess I'm just... I'm I'm interested with the tact because Walking Dead was a pop culture phenomenon for sure, but it's definitely on its dying legs, right? Like for sure, I thought that the show was like on the verge of cancellation. Yeah, I mean, like you know, like Netflix used to have every season up till season seven, and I'm pretty sure they've gone with a new like season or two, and it like hasn't even put those on there. Yeah. You know, it's like it's not what it used to be, and so. To kind of tag on a character, I mean, Negan's a fucking cool character, but I'm interested with the tact, you know? I mean, like, taking a character from a from a show that has kind of already reached its peak, I think if it was, like, 2014, that would be truly crazy, but yeah. um, it, it obviously probably wouldn't make sense, because Walking Dead probably wouldn't do, do that kind of deal at that point in time. Right. But, uh, no, I, it is definitely very exciting. I mean, he's, there is, there are probably is not a cooler character from that franchise other than maybe Daryl that I would put in that game. Right. So, yeah. Striking while the wa- striking while the pan is, you know, cold lukewarm. <laughs> lukewarm. After you turned it off Cooling and down. forgot about it and came back and you touched it and you're like, what On did I, simmer. oh, I cooked something today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is warm enough for me to degrease it with. All right. right. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny because like, like you were saying, they wouldn't make that deal with Tekken back in that time. But like, I feel like now we're in a point to where like the walking dead producers could be like damn this would be a good move for us like yeah. all the publicity that Tekken 7 could bring in for us right and then vice versa because they're a little bit more even keel as to where their fan bases may land but yeah, yeah how do you how do you guys feel that Tekken 7 was the only game to grow in competitors and kind of a game that seems to be th- its momentum is still growing in a lot of ways it seems like the Tekken 7 developers are making all of the right moves to not only stay relevant but to grow their fan base Tekken 7 is the best fighting game right right now. I mean, you can just I think as a as a viewing you experience You really respect Tekken. I could it's just so it's just, apparent. As a viewing experience, even if you don't play fighting games, it's fucking awesome to watch. I don't care about five of the people on top 8. Yeah. It's cuz you know the, I mean? the choreography is just so good. It looks awesome and there's like stupid shit like slow-mos and stuff that happen that just make this huge like burst of hypeness that comes out of nowhere and there's <laughs> wacky characters like bears fighting yeah. each other but yeah. there's also awesome characters like, like Jin and yeah, yeah fucking king king was fun to king, watch king right you know playing who have this awesome just i don't i don't know man that and it, i'm so happy that that's the game that's growing because i do hope that maybe in the future it'll be closer to being like towards the top to where it is cuz it definitely still feels like a 3 like a third place and yeah. like Street Fighter Five and Dragon Ball are fighting for the first spots right now. Yeah. You know, as far mm-hmm. as like cultural 
relevance amongst the fighting game community. And the fact that it's still growing and like, Evo was the biggest Tekken tournament to have ever happened ever, right? Um, and if it keeps just growing, hopefully maybe it'll be one of the top spots or we'll have like different tournaments that are more Tekken-centric that maybe will take the top spots there. And I think that that's a really good thing. And when you look at Harada and like what he's doing with the game, you can just tell. I mean, he made out that statement. Like, Lei Wulong and Anna are not going to be paid DLC. You get them for oh, free. Yeah. That's fucking insane. Yeah. And you only have to pay for, like, out of DLC characters who come from outside of the franchise. Yeah. Because he feels like you deserve all the Tekken characters because yeah, you play Tekken, Tekken 7. Because yeah. you bought a Tekken game. Yeah. And that's it's such so a sick mindset. <laughs> that's fucking awesome, dude. Like, are you kidding? And it's just, it's awesome, like, you know, between the fan base and the developers. I think everything is awesome with that game. So I, I'm glad that it's growing, and I hope that it reaches the top i'll say like i i think that it's very smart of them to like sort of place their flag in the sand that they are like the franchise that at evo is going to give you a sick reveal you know and like i i'll be i'd be very surprised it sounds like what street fighter did was they took a cue from them and they're like okay we're gonna you know that was a big deal we're gonna blow them away here um and so that's that's awesome that they've kind of like placed that as maybe their mantra or whatever. I'll just personally say that like when I think of like an arcade game, Tekken is the yeah. the arcade fighting game that I think of. Just thinking about those polygons, you know, just yeah. like walking. I around. mean, like like Street Fighter. I, I I do think of Street Fighter as well, but I think of Street Fighter as more of like a console game, and I think of Tekken as more of an arcade game. Yeah, which yeah, I don't know. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, and then lastly, uh, Dragon Ball Fighters showed off Cooler uh, in a trailer, and um, you know, Cooler is like cool. I think he's pretty beloved uh, in the lore. He's not one of my favorite characters, but I'm not exactly upset that he was revealed. Uh, were you guys uh, compared to all the other DLC characters? Like, where where does he sit? I thought it. I mean, it's I thought lukewarm. it was a pretty unimpressive. I mean, like, I know that, again, like, that was one that had leaked and that everybody had kind of expected that. But, I mean, no, yeah, it it didn't really do much for me. Um, I think even though the cast of DBFZ is getting pretty expansive now, I still think that there's probably other characters, like Raditz, that (laughs) I fucking want in the cast that I would easily trade for, for Cooler. Even Dragon Ball Super uh, yeah. Characters and I hate know? Dragon Ball Super. Yeah, I'm not even a huge. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, you know, they've done, they've did Zamasu, they did uh, Goku Black, right. um, and seventeen from Super is probably coming. So. Yeah, it's probably coming. But like, I would much rather have like I can't remember the dude who's not Jiren, but his sort of other oh, teammate, the other guy, Topo. Topo is sick. I would fucking love to have Topo. That would be great. Way over cooler. Yeah. You know? And I so. just met that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I, I'm not super impressed. I, I, I hate to be a bummer on it, but. That's fine. Yeah. That's I fair I think enough. everybody feels the same. And I do, I'm kind of curious to maybe see what they're going to do with cooler involved in the Dragon Ball lore officially because they brought Broly back. And then like a few months a later, prelude. they were like, hey, what's up? We're doing a movie made by Toriyama and it's canon. 
You know what I mean? Like, because mm, right. Broly was not canon. And then I don't know if maybe they might try to do something like that with Cooler. So that would be kind of cool to see. I'd like to see a, a movie where Cooler maybe comes down and like fights against Frieza and Goku or something. Well, in Super, be... they definitely leaned into Frieza again. For you sure. Know? Yeah. So Frieza's like be... now a part of the cast forever. Yeah. It kind of makes sense to. To Get his of, brother involved. Yeah. <laughs> that he didn't mention for the last <laughs> How 30 about his years. Dad? Yeah. I think it would have been cool to have King Vegeta or whatever his name was. King Vegeta would be pretty. I don't know. What like he, what over he cooler. I mean, <laughs> well, a lot. Of Master Roshi over cooler. Yeah, dude. Master Pulma Roshi. It has to happen. Something. Dude, yeah. At this point, it's starting to feel like what I thought were like kind of no brainers that maybe would be later down the line or like, are we actually not going to get these characters? And it's starting to really bum me out. Right. <laughs> Where's Oolong, you know? Yeah. And then I want to I quickly talk about Arc System Works announcing their Arc Revo 2019 World Tour, which is them kind of like upstaging their own IP, their own fighting games to put on a Capcom Pro Tour-like um, professional circuit in 2019 that... I think it's super exciting because it's going to, I think it's going to hold up games like, I mean, honestly, just it's going to hold up Revelator 2 uh, or Guilty Gear for longer because I am worried that Guilty Gear would eventually die, but it being a part of this world tour at least is going to keep it there uh, longer because, dude, you've got people who have dedicated their lives to Guilty Gear and yeah. they play at a professional level and uh, these kind of this event definitely heartens me that you know, that that sort of investment from them isn't going to eventually go away and die. But they announced that the regions of the circuit uh, will be North America and Latin America. And they said specifically that Evo, Texas Showdown, Frosty Faustings and CEO will be a part of the tour. Um, cool. And so I think it's pretty fucking cool that Texas Showdown is listed. Yeah. Also, that Frosty Fausting is, is on there because that is kind of like another example of a ground roots anime-centric fighting game tournament that got really big on its own, now getting sort of recognized. I'm a little surprised that Anime Ascension wasn't mentioned. And when I went to Anime Ascension, it was very clear that like the most hardcore of anime players were there. And it was a bummer because I'm pretty sure it was held the same weekend as the North Ca- the NorCal Regionals. Hmm. So there was a little bit of a split between where you could go and compete. And I thought that was very odd, but it seemed to me like the ones who were most dedicated to anime games were at Anime Ascension. And so it kind of sucks to see them not listed, at least here in the short short list. But anyway, what do you guys think about them having their own pro tour? Uh, I mean, I think it's great. I think that it's going to like allow Revelator to stay alive as a fighting game amongst its like direct competitors, which are the other Arxis games. You know, Because yeah. after this... After Evo, uh, yeah, I was also wondering like where it would kind of stand. Um, I, I told you guys there'd be no announcements, which sucks, man. I really, I would like to see Guilty Gear really continue to grow as its own IP because I think it's really different from Blaze Blue and really different from uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. I think that they're all three very different games, um, but I think that this tour is important for. Revelator, most of all, I think it's great for the Blaze Blue tag battle community as well, because um, up until kind of the final days before Evo, I wasn't really sure what that game was going to do. But it seems like people are also really passionate about that. Um, as far as thousand entrance, yeah, yeah, right. And as far as Central Fiction or Blaze Blue Central Fiction goes, I don't, I don't even know people still play that game. So, <laughs> right, but cool, I guess. Yeah, 
And deep. I think it also kind of shows that Dragon Ball Fighters is probably here to stay for a couple of years. I just heard um, statistics that it's one of the top selling video games of 2018, and that is across all video games. It's like right. number six, which is Damn. very staggering. Like it is a massive, massive success just when you consider units sold as a video game, which in my mind makes it one of the most successful fighting games ever sure. launched. Just to know. be considered that way. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's funny because I do want to bring that up too. Like as far as the peak viewer ratings go, yeah, Dragon Ball Fighters... Which Fighter we're going like, to get into. So. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, never mind. Then I'll just leave it to that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this shows that Dragon Ball Fighters is here to stay. Um, hopefully that means more DLC characters for couple years into the future and you know with the balance patch that just came out like they were very much willing to make big changes and that was heartening to me because it shows that one they're somewhat listening and two we don't have to like because with guilty gear the balance changes that came out made almost nobody happy everyone Mm. i know of on the internet and in person always had took umbrage with how they balanced guilty gear and it to me I was worried that Dragon Ball Fighters would always kind of just be relegated to small tweaks, but with this, these, this kind of bigger overhaul, to me it shows that like the meta is always going to be open to to kind of the Subject bigger heavy change. lifting. Yeah, of course. You know? They're not buffing Cell anymore, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't look wonderful at Wonderful news. Don't what do you think me. about that, Hunter? I'm just waiting for that boo buff. <laughs> yeah, I think he did get buffed. He got some buffs. Boo yeah, got some bad buffs. Right. Look at him, yeah. Uh, Okay, and the last little bit of news, um, Dragon Ball Fighters becomes the Evo's highest watched game ever on Twitch with 257,000 concurrent viewers at its all-time peak, and uh, that puts it at a number 103 on, like, the current viewers rank at that time which is kind of staggering considering like just the magnitude of other video games on Twitch but it was one of the biggest ones at that point in time um, and you know I think a large part of that is because of this what is now becoming kind of a really entertaining and almost legendary rivalry between Sonic Fox and uh, Goichi so I, I mean what do you guys think about Dragon Ball Fighters kind of being the main attraction uh, I mean I'm like it was way more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Um, going into it, I was not super stoked on Dragon Ball Fighters, but I do think that the rivalry was like my biggest pull. Like I was definitely interested in seeing who was going to take it. Yeah, between I agree. Sonic Fox and Goichi. I can't believe that we that so many of us were like, Sonic Fox is going to be Goichi. Goichi's going to go to losers. He's going to go gonna back all the way back. We said yeah. it, and it, yeah. that happened. You're we like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, there were some pretty accurate. Uh, bracket pers- er, uh, bracket Cole was on fire. Cole was on fire for <laughs> Dragon Ball Fighters and for Street Fighter Five. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't like. It's tough to say what this is going to do going forward because this is really important. I remember when Dragon Ball Fighters came out, I said that it would be the number one, like it would be the headlining game that year. Yeah. Um, and then I think I kind of redacted it later, saying that like maybe the Pro Tour was going to keep it from uh, being there. But then I know that. Uh, fucking what? Some other tournament was it? Combo Breaker. Combo Breaker yeah. made it as their headliner, right? And they're a premiere yep. for Dragon or for their premiere for Capcom Pro Tour. So obviously that's not as important. And I think going forward, I mean, it's tough to say, but it feels like the biggest game right now. After that, it feels like the most people are invested in that as an esports culture, which is the most important thing, like viewership and getting people who don't even really play 
to watch, which is like the number one thing that you need because there's a million people that don't fucking play football or play basketball, but they watch it all the time because they have some sort of like ask, like they like to watch it and they have something that draws them or something that they can connect to. It just, it just has such a big leg up because there's so much Dragon Ball IP that like literally every level or interest of person who might be interested has something that they can cling on to. Like the 40 year old who, you know, watched, you know, the Saiyan saga from when it first mm-hmm. came out, came out in college. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now they're also putting out dragon ball super and they're putting out new movies and they have like another like Japanese, uh, dragon ball, ep- uh, anime that they're putting out. Um, and it, it just has such a leg up with the amount of ways that you can partake in the dragon ball sort of fantasy that street fighter and all the other, Mm-hmm. All the other IPs just don't have. Are I mean, restricted to fighting games. Yeah, so, I mean, they, like, they're, they're stuck in the arcade, right? And they are the biggest fighting games and these biggest names in fighting games, but that's nowhere near the pull that Dragon Ball Fighters alone as an IP has. Like, no one thinks of Street Fighter for the story or... I mean, like, in Dragon... You don't think of Dragon Ball Z for the story, though, right? story yeah. but, like, you know what happens. They've been through. There's a chronology. You literally have, yeah, you do know what they've been through and you identify with characters on a different level than just like, I like the guy in the white gi. I always played him when I was seven. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, when you talk about culture forming, like there are a lot of signs that kind of more nuanced aspects of Dragon Ball Fighters cultures is developing and a big sign of that is everybody fucking yelling whenever Cell yells. (laughs) And having an entire... You know, having an entire sports stadium of people just scream out loud is a sign of culture. That is a sign of shared behavior that everybody that brings people together. And it's fucking awesome, dude. I really liked seeing stuff like that. For sure. No, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's that's all I really have to say. Like, do you like so looking at the numbers and looking at the fact that it far destroyed uh, Street Fighter? I mean, maybe not destroyed, but 50,000 roughly more viewers at its peak than Street Fighter, which is crazy. And looking at that, would you say going forward, is it strategically a strong decision to replace the headlining games for like huge tournaments like Evo with Dragon Ball Fighters? I, I don't know, because I think I, think I still I think like having now. Street Fighter go last, be- more so because of the personalities. Like, I think there are more professional players in the Street Fighter V circuit that I identify and root for, which is why I like seeing them the most as sort of like the main show. Um, but it's kind of up in the air for me because in one way, Dragon Ball Fighters is kind of exhausting as a top eight game because of how long it lasts yeah. and how long it can it takes go. forever and, and they do a lot of the same stuff. You, yeah, you kind of have to balance that with... with Street Fighter kind of being a little more nimble in that regard. So, and that, that kind of wears on the entertainment value of it when it's hour three and it's fucking 10 o'clock at night and you're still watching something that you started three hours ago. You know? And that might have added to the low viewership, too, of Street Fighter V, which is something to consider. Because yeah. that started at 11 o'clock for us. <laughs> yeah. Which means it started at midnight for the East Coast. Yeah. Which means it ended <laughs> at 3.30 a.m., for people who are watching in New York as the headlining game. That's not, it became, it became, that's Monday. That's not the best, that became not the best um, 
uh, time bracket. Like Street yeah. Fighter, yeah. Dragon Ball Fighters ended up giving the uh, delays time. before. It ended up making itself prime time. You yeah. wonder. I hate to say it, but that may that. mean taking some, of, just taking out some of the games on Sunday. You know, put yeah. Guilty Gear top eight or top eight on Saturday night. Yeah. You know, I I don't I don't know what you have to do there, but yeah, I mean that was that was rough, and it's especially rough on the players who have been awake literally all fucking day. For like, sure. That quite literally affects their ability to compete. You know. Yeah. Like that's not acceptable with other sports at all, right? Like to be like, no, LeBron, you're not going out yet because the other game hasn't gotten done yet. And LeBron be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just can't help but at least consider the fact that how excited we were for Dragon Ball Fighters to come out and how much we enjoyed it when we started playing it. And then we fell off pretty quick. Right. I'm playing it again after this weekend. I'm enjoying Same. getting back online and kind of getting my getting my competitive spirit going again. But mm-hmm. I'm just wondering. I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, it's just me or if that was something that a lot of people felt prior to Evo or whatever. But I had, I'd basically given up on DBFZ right before Evo. I, I, I wasn't planning on playing it again for a long time. Yeah, and I'm just wondering if that's. If that's something that was just a me thing, or if that's more of like speaks about the game itself, I don't know. I'm not. I mean, I'm not really sure. I I feel the same way. I wasn't interested in the game outside of the Goichi and Sonic Fox rivalry. I think the yeah, I I think you can't stress that enough. Yeah, and I'm not sure how much of like that brought me back in and made me want to play, or how much like. I wanted to play on my own, and then seeing that also helped a lot. Yeah, I'm just not really sure exactly, but I do know that I feel genuinely more interested. And then when you couple that with the new patch, mm-hmm. a lot of my complaints that I had about the game, which is like redundancy with characters or with yep. moves, is probably hopefully going to go by the wayside, given the fact that Goichi sent out that tweet that said that he's going to play Nappa and Ginyu, or he wants to play Nappa and Ginyu. <laughs> oh it's my just like, god, dude, no. if that's how it is, you got me. All right, I'm in. Yeah. So that was true drama, man, with the whole like waiting, like wanting to switch chairs and the icy was salty. He was upset when that happened. I would be pissed too, man. He played he played the game on him hard. Because all he did was ask for a side switch and it would have been very simple to just say, Yeah, absolutely, let's side switch it up. Sounds sounds a little unprecedented though. Well, now we have a precedent for (laughs) you can't pull that shit next year. Anyway, let's go ahead and roll into what is not halftime, but probably like a four fifths time. Four fifths. Uh, time. We'll be right back. All right. If you want to keep up with the show after the microphones have turned off, be sure to follow us on social media by searching Witty Banter Show on Twitter and Instagram and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Want to steer the conversation or be a part of the show? Just go on down to wittybantershow.com and leave us a suggestion for a beer or a question for us to answer on the show. And if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review and feel free to share it with your friends. Let's get back to it. Yo, how's that hipster juice treating y'all? Uh, it's uh, the hipster it's sauce. sauce. So I um, didn't expect man. you to know that, but. It's a good it's, beer, man. It's, it's got delicious. some. I definitely taste the citra hop, <laughs> um, and it's you know it's an IPA, but it's not super hoppy. It's not super. Um, I don't. I don't feel like there's like 
a, a big nose on it or anything. It's kind of, I feel like, more of a sessionable IPA, at least for me. For sure. Um, I think it kind of, I, I think it well accomplished what it was going for. Like, I don't know why when I think of hipster sauce IPA. That, you have like, an idea of what it should be, and then this just happens to be nailed. Yeah, that's, yeah. For some reason, they kind of just nailed it. Um, and I guess it's just, it has a little bit of, um, like I get a good, a good amount of like the, the barley or whatever, uh, or the malt. And yeah. then, um, and yeah, just a little bit of citrus, not too bitter, but bitter enough to, to be an IPA, a little sessionable, a little drinkable, drinkable. Yeah, well done. I can't tell if like a hipster would be drinking an IPA that was like so overwhelming that it was like disgusting by standards yeah. and he's like just <laughs> drinking it because or if he's drinking the IPA all the time that he can drink all the time like yeah. this one, right? Yeah. Which is the other route to go. So if it's that if that's the case then this is spot on, you mm-hmm. know. So I think I they agree. did a good job. What about Ugh. you, Chase? How is the that three hundred? Yeah, the Casa Dragonis is like I feel like it's a perfect snapshot of what tequila is. Like when you drink it, it's not it's not like it's not so smooth as to be like so drinkable that it sort of gets away from kind of the heat and the the kind of abrasiveness that tequila tends to bring with it. Like it smells, it's got some vanilla in the nose, a little nuttiness in the nose, but it just to when I like my very first sip that I had, it just tasted like tequila, and that's not a helpful thing to say until I try to describe it as it just tastes like agave. Like mm-hmm. it tastes like blue agave that it was made from, and it's 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 hot, dude. Like there's a lot of spice to it, and mm-hmm. like if I kind of catch the sip in the wrong way, like it's gonna it's gonna hit my throat and burn, <laughs> but. The thing is, is like, it's not harsh, it's smooth, even though it's warm, and it's just like super well-balanced, um, and then the flavor kind of lasts in your on your palate for a little while, so it's not just like kind of a one-and-done, go-away thing. Like, it, it lingers and has a really good, flavorful aftertaste, so, and I'm drinking it straight, and like, usually I drink tequila with ice um you know this one says it's a sipping tequila like it should be drinking straight i'm drinking it straight and i'm able to do so without it being overpowering so yeah man two thumbs up for me so far sounds like if you respect it and then if you give it its due that it'll treat you right (laughs) and if you don't like everybody kick you in the back of the mouth All right, um, we've been, you know, it's kind of a longer episode, so we're going to skip our segment and head right into the mailbag. Uh, and answer a quick question. This one comes from Dunter Horset, who we haven't heard from in a little while because of our absence. So, mm-hmm. you know, thank you as always, mm-hmm. Dunter, for your questions. But Dunter asks, is there a story or a bit from an old episode that makes you laugh every time you hear it? For me, I've cried from laughter every time I listen back to the story about the guinea fowl after <laughs> Hunter's house got teepeed. Forever yours, Dunter Horset. What was the guinea fowl? That was a pretty fowl? good story. What's that one? We like had, where we used to live in my senior year at UT, um, we lived on this little street and we had this like sort of neighborhood like turkey thing. <laughs> 
that would roam around. Turkey thing is exactly how it should be described. Yeah, it's like a small turkey, but not it's like yeah. a fucked a up live experiment. turkey. Yeah, it's kind of what it looks like. And there was two of them, and one was like brown and one was like white. And um, yeah, like everyone would just kind of like acknowledge it like it would be in your front yard you'd like <laughs> be leaving for the day and like oh the kitty fowl's there you know and apparently one day there was like uh somebody went and tp'd the house across from us and i saw the guinea fowl just like in the yard like, like <laughs> super upset <laughs> but um i always laugh uh, at uh the first time that max was on where he was yeah, talking about, talk about like Avatar and shit. We were talking about Avatar, and I got a little salty about Avatar because y'all were just shitting on Avatar, <laughs> and like I had liked it. But I also really liked this one little thing where we were talking about the internet and like internet bullies or whatever. And, uh, and Max said something along the lines of, you know, like if you went back in time and told somebody about the internet, and like you were like, look, there's this device where you can access all of human knowledge, all of human history. You can learn and read about anything you want. And we just like take dick pics and like (laughs) talk shit to each other on the internet and fucking laugh at cat videos and shit. I don't know. That always makes me laugh when I listen to that. That's a good one. Um, There was one time when we were talking about, uh, it was like a Mary Boff kill or whatever yeah, however Mary you say Boff that kill. and it was like the princesses from <laughs> from <laughs> disney culture yeah. and you and me hunter were talking and like you were like yeah dude like i probably just like boff uh, jasmine and i was like she seems kind of dumb and you looked at me dead in the eyes and you were like too dumb to boff <laughs> <laughs> and like from that i fucking died while i was there and i listened back to the episode and too dumb to boff is like I don't know why this become like a quote. Like I want to like at one point buy you like a poster like a that's shirt. like professionally made. Yeah. yeah, like a shirt that says like too dumb to boff. Because I feel like that's my favorite Hunter line from the entire series and that's probably awesome. always will be. So that's my Some number one. Some of my favorite episodes were the early ones where we were taking out a whole six pack every time we recorded. Of course. It's a recipe like, for laughter. <laughs> <laughs> things would quickly devolve uh, and you could tell. But one of my favorite episodes ever is Shitty Banter when we reviewed oh, all of the shittiest beers money could buy in Austin. And I'm still amazed that we went through all and we drank a lot of we were very drunk on that episode. And we did like a special intro and outro for it that I thought was really funny. We had some guest vocalists on there. Um, but I just was amazed that like we we went through six different shitty beers and eat and we both chose our favorite of the shitty beers and then we did that blind taste test and we both fucking nailed our beers yeah. out of the lineup and i was to me i was like that like solidified my confidence in being like you know what I'm going to go ahead and, and give my thoughts about tasting shit, and I'm going to yeah. trust my own mouth. You I know what I mean? I can taste the difference, damn it. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that intro, man. We had Darian guest, yeah. guest vocals. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, dude. Those were good times. All right, thank you for the question, Dunter. Um, any last bit of words you want to add to your beer review? Maybe go ahead and give me the, give, a, give a gesture, and Max, if you want to give a, uh, a situation to drink this in. Right. Yeah, I guess this is one that, like, I imagine, like, you are on a Sunday morning. I'm going to borrow a, a piece of, of uh, view that I saw earlier this weekend. Um, it's a Sunday morning, 
and you woke up and you're like kind of hungover, right? You you're you're just like you were at the pool all late last night, yeah, and you're just with your boys, <laughs> and you're like, you know what, man? Let's go get a burger. Yeah, let's go get like a craft burger. A craft burger, Art- artisanal. And I like it. y'all are like, let's go to Hop Dotty or some some fucking yeah. place like that. And uh, you get on your bikes and you're just wearing like uh, a swimsuit with like okay. chubby shorts, like high yeah. shorts. And on your way there, you're like, hey, man, uh, I'm pretty sure it's BYOB. You want to stop off and get something? And you get this. You get okay. this uh, hipster sauce Beautiful. Uh, with your boys. And uh, they don't want to sell it to you at first, but you're like, kind of like, dude. Come on. Look, I know I'm not wearing shoes. Look, trust me. Trust me, bro. Oh, you're convincing. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was the clerk <laughs> saying that they don't want to sell it to you. No, they don't. Oh, oh okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, so that's, that's, my, uh, that's my situation. That's a pretty good situation. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the same thing, right? It's like, it's like the hipster. Right? Like, you're at a party, and some guy's really trying to push this beer on you, and you're like, leave me the fuck alone, dude. <laughs> And you're like, I'm trying to like, I don't like parties at all. I don't know you. You've already I been here. I didn't ask for your You've opinion been drinking. on this beer. You've been here for longer than me, so you're drunker than I am. And he's like really pushing this beer on you. And like, you're just like, whatever. It's going to be some like, like just, you know, overzealous, overflavored beer. But then when you try it, it's this. It's like, look, dude, and it's, it's a like, fucking fish. Yeah. 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 And he's not selling it to you in any of the right ways. He's like, look yeah. at the, look at the fuck. It's got a look nug. Dude, you don't want to try this nug? Dude, he's, he's a nug, dude. 420, a little. It's an IPA. Toke. They call toke. it an India Pale Ale. Yeah, India's palest ales. <laughs> and, uh, but when you try it, it's a delightful experience. And you're because like, it's hey, from man, India. Thanks. And then he finally leaves you alone yeah. after you tried it. And you're like, well, now I can enjoy the party. Yeah. <laughs> nice. What about you, Chase? Um, this, this tequila is like just formidable in the sense that you kind of need to be ready for it, I think. Like, if you're willing to accept it, it's going to give you a great time. <laughs> but it's also not necessarily it. one that I think I would like. Th- I don't. First of all, it's too expensive to be a go-to tequila. But it's not something I would want to drink all the time because it is. It's just so robust, you know. It it has a sweetness to it, but there's that spice and that hotness, and it's just got a beautiful ar- aromatic characteristic to it. That being said, like I do enjoy tequila probably most when it's just in margaritas. Like it's been awesome drinking tequila straight on this show, but I still prefer it in mixed drinks and cocktails. Um, and I wouldn't really want to mix this because you're gonna you're gonna kind of cover it up, right? So mm-hmm. to me, this is like a special occasion thing where maybe you know somebody who like who likes tequila. And you have an opportunity to actually order this at a bar and just be like, all right, man, like, look, let's let's both get a shot of this and like kind of sit down and dedicate our attention to it because it deserves our attention. Um, And yeah, man, it's it's been fantastic. And that kind of concludes the tequila run. I got to figure out what what spirits we're doing next. But Uh I got to admit, man, over the over this year doing tequila on the show has really opened my mind to it. It's one of my favorite spirits now. Nice. That's, That's cool. awesome. That's, That's very a great. nice Tequila is like, a very cool spirit. Yeah, it's like a chapter in your in your book that you opened. Sure. 2018. Close the chapter. I dig it. All right, guys. That's been Witty Banter episode something. And uh, <laughs> thank you guys for being patient with us getting this one out. But we're going to be back on the normal swing of things. You can follow the show on Twitter. We are at Witty Banter Show. And um, 
Go to our website, which is WoodyBanterShow.com, to get the episodes for free or to send us questions. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Bodacious Chase. Uh, Max is at probably Max. And Hunter runs a YouTube channel called At Crypto Diesel, uh, all about cryptocurrency and, and blockchain technology. So that's where we are. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Beep, pop, pop, pop. Beep, pop. Beep, pop.